Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're listening to the C-Space Studio Podcast. Interviews with technology, media, and marketing leaders from CES 2020. Hi, I'm James Kotecki, and you're here joining me in the C-Space studio at CES 2020. With us is Kelly Upkarian, General Manager, Advanced Video Advertising Nielsen. Thank Good you so much you for coming back for a third time. You are making your hat trick appearance at the C-Space studio. I know. Where's all the hats? I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to get you commemorative hats somewhere around here, I think, after this. Um, I think we should probably start with the announcement that uh, Nielsen made very recently about your addressable TV platform. Uh, can you recap that for us now? Yeah, exciting news yesterday. Uh, we are launching our beta for addressable TV across seven programmers. And really what this enables is programmers for the first time to unlock the 14 minutes inside a live linear television uh, in an addressable one-to-one -one way, much like digital does. And so we're super excited um, by the news and the support of the industry to help work alongside everyone else to really advance addressability for television forward. And so you actually have a demo of this that I was lucky enough to see yesterday, yeah. right? For those who aren't here, uh, how does this actually look in practice? You showed two screens side by side looking at different ads. Yeah, so, you know, in practice, uh, the live linear ad is always underlying inside the existing telecast. In the example of CBS Big Bang Theory, you know, an ad goes out, out of the broadcast transmission, and really what this enables us to do is to understand household segmentation to then allow advertisers and programmers to unlock those units uniquely, whether that's across multiple advertisers with a single advertiser, to really deliver the right message with the right branding at the right time. So if I'm a household that cares more about luxury goods or if I'm a household that has kids, and depending on how marketers want to uh, de target me demographically, they can be showing me different ads in those linear TV, not like super advanced technological advanced TV, like linear tradi like traditional yeah. TV advertising. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, last year we spoke about TV going from one to many to one to one, and I, obviously this is part of that. But overall, how do you think that trend is going? Look, I think the year of uh, 2020 and the, and the coming years is going to be the, the year uh, dressability starts to scale and unlock for all. Uh, there's been such tremendous progress over the last decade by the MVPDs, and you know, even as OTT has really grown to enable addressability to come alive. And now, as you think about live linear television, 30 billion hours a month on average are being viewed on that glass screen through live linear. So the opportunity is tremendous to help bring yield both for programmers but for advertisers alike. You know, there's a theme uh, that I'm hearing from a number of folks in the C-Space studio, which is linear is not as dead as people think it is. But actually, everybody seems to be saying that. So, so do people, are, are there still a number of people who seem to think that linear is dying, or is everybody kind of getting the message that it's still where it's at? I think uh, the message is linear is changing. Mm -hmm. uh, the consumer is changing the way they access their content. Uh, as we know, you know, a, a number of new uh, direct-to-consumer packages are coming, but they're still being viewed often in many ways uh, through kind of a live linear experience, maybe just curated uh, in new and different ways. If you think about television today, 74% of the screen time is live linear television. So, you know, I think that narrative has kind of gone, uh, especially as the value of that screen and the advertising has really shown its ability to weather a lot of different fragmentation points like digital, social, et cetera, that in the end, advertisers keep coming back to television because they know it works. Mm -hmm. 
Um, AI is another theme that has been discussed at CES for a long time, but it's every year it seems like it's more important than ever. How do you think about AI in your space for 2020? Yeah, you know, we've been doing a lot of work um, as we think about big data sources and how we can use AI techniques to help us with measurement. Um, one of the great innovations we did at the end of last year is taking smart TV data. And because Nielsen's panel has such rich understanding, not just of viewership behavior, but of really of labels of what that viewership behavior represents, from people to, you know, do they have uh, pets in the household? What autos do they drive, et cetera? We collect such rich characteristics in our panel about people and the devices that they're watching and the viewership and ads they're connected to. So we have invented um, an AI neural network machine learning algorithm that for the first time is allowing us to take those models and predict in real time who's sitting behind those smart TV viewership instances that we think will be the next wave of how we can help ad decisioning engines make better predictions around how to target homes more succinctly and the right ways in which to help advertisers and programmers alike maximize that yield. And I, I'm sure that's doing very well. Is there data that you're still missing or that you still wish you had that could improve those algorithms even further? Look, there's always uh, additional mm -hmm. data sources and, and ways to enrich the models and we'll continue to look at ways in which we can train our neural networks to get more deeper around mm -hmm. the types of behaviors it can learn and understand. And quite honestly, as the consumer changes, just mm -hmm. that behavior alone itself will be very valuable. We do think that we sit in a really interesting space given our Nielsen panels. Yes. Um, and because of the fact that you know we spend so much time ensuring that it's fully representative of the population, we really can use that as a ground truth to any model that we want to build and learn from. And can you just redefine for everyone uh, who hasn't seen our last two conversations <laughs> what a Nielsen panel is? Because this is kind of the classic thing Nielsen is known for, right? And was, yeah. and, was and is your bread and butter. Yeah, so, you know, we have um, over 100,000 people under active measurement who let us know exactly what they're watching inside of their households. We do that by installing Nielsen proprietary equipment, our Nielsen meters. We spend a lot of time training these homes, collecting the demographics about these homes, and really ensuring the accuracy and quality of that data to really project out to the full population across the U.S., and it used to be, I think, people had to fill out pieces of paper, right, and, yep. and send them in. But now they don't have to think about it during the day, and you don't have to trust that they're accurately recording it's it. It's 100% yeah. electronic across mm -hmm. the entire U.S. But panels are here. It sounds like you, you've mentioned panels several times. It sounds like they're here to stay and, and totally ensconced into the strategy that Nielsen has going forward. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the value of panels in the world of where multicultural consumers are really changing the landscape, by the end of 2020... The 2 plus 18 crowd, uh, the 2 to 18 crowd, is going to be the majority um, when it comes to multicultural, and, um, and others are going to be the minority. And when you fast forward that to 2044, they will be the majority from an adult perspective. Hmm. And ensuring that we don't count anyone out, whether it's African Americans, Hispanics, Asians, et cetera, like it's so critically important to make sure that big data doesn't miss out on segments of the population. We recently did an interesting study um, uh, looking at if we were to only use big data sources alone, how would the ratings change differently? Mm. And we focused on Fox's empire, which has a 75% multicultural audience and does extremely well in the Nielsen TV ratings at 16th in the ranking. And when we use the big data sources alone, it would drastically move down from 16th to 38th. Hmm. 
and that's just mainly because of the biases that exist in a lot of big data sources that are not accurately understanding and counting for all segments of the population. So we think panels are a critical underpinning of one media truth and accurate measurement in the years ahead. We're speaking with Kelly Apkarian of Nielsen. Speaking of bringing everybody into the conversation, um, I saw that you were recently on a list of LGBTQ allies. What does that mean for you in your work uh, day to day? Look, I'm really proud to be uh, an ally of the LGBT plus community. Um, it's something that I took on many years ago because I think as a leader in this industry and as a woman in the industry, I need to use my voice for good. And that is a community that needs representation in the media ecosystem from on-screen talent all the way to measurement. And so some of the things that I've done from a leadership perspective in the last couple of years is in 2018, um, over a course of a number of years, I worked with a number of industry leading like GLAAD to help us figure out how we can actually accurately account for the LGBT plus community inside of our national TV panel. So now that advertisers and programmers alike can really understand how they consume content and consume ads and ultimately drive ROI. And then secondly, last year, I'm very proud of this, Nielsen in June for Pride Month, for the first time ever, changed our iconic blue logo to the rainbow logo, really representing solidarity and support of the LGBT plus community. And uh, David Kenney signed the Equality Act here in the U.S. that really is about the federal protections of ensuring L every LGBT plus um, you know, member of that community has protections and rights. And so, you know, I think continuing to ensure that representation and diversity, not only just inside of Nielsen, but outside and everything Nielsen does in which to provide truth to the marketplace, I feel that it's an important role, not just at, as an ally, but to ensure that I'm putting my voice for good to represent those communities. Uh, in one way or another, Nielsen has been working on this idea of truth to the marketplace for, I believe, almost 100 years, right? The company is almost 100 years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, very soon. Um, do you have advice for legacy companies that want to stay innovative and on the cutting edge? Well, you can never lose your thirst for understanding what's next. And I think, you know, CES is a great place where you can really get those uh, innovation juices going. You know, interesting enough, last year, uh, under David Kenney's leadership, we were issued 200 brand new patents, the most in the whole company's history. Um, and the most, and then we were also issued the most new priority patents that we filed. And so for a legacy company that many people think are potentially is not certain or knows how to innovate, you have to encourage a culture of no fear of failure, right? No fear of um, embracing failure is more like it. And enabling the um, associates to really embrace that and embrace um, ideas and to bring those ideas forward and experiment um, because if you don't, then you'll never create the innovation culture and DNA that's required. And so I think the biggest thing that we've done and definitely has been accelerated under David's leadership is really just enabling people to have the room to innovate and to the room to fail. One last question before we close it out. Uh, last year, you gave us some data on Bird Box. The year before that, Stranger Things. It seems like you're able to kind of open the black box of some of these streaming hits. <laughs> Do you have any fun data for us this year? Yeah, a couple um, really cool facts. So, you know, though Netflix has been around for quite some time and streaming as well, you know, we saw that the 55-plus demo really started to grow to be a very large population of the streaming community. So it's really catching on across all age demographic groups. 
And, you know, despite kind of the launching of Disney Plus and the soon-to-be launch of Peacock, Netflix really did a good job maintaining their share of 36% last year of all streaming. And uh, Irishman, three-and-a-half-hour movie. Yes. Um, so we did publish some stats on that. Um, you know, in the first premiere day of viewing, um, it had 2.6 million average audience viewers. 18% of them completed that three-and-a-half-hour movie, mm-hmm. uh, which was very comparable to Bird Box. Um, <laughs> And then within the first five days um, of viewing, uh, 17.1 uh, million unique across the five. So once again, extremely strong performance, um, much like uh, we saw with Bird Box, saw with Stranger Things. So it just goes to show you the power of you put great content, you put it on a great screen, audiences will come and they will engage and embrace. Well, thank you for being part of the content right here at the C-Space Studio. We really appreciate you being here for the third time. Kelly Appearin of Nielsen. Thank you so much. Great, thank you so much. This podcast is in partnership with the iHeart Podcast Network. 